Well, hello, White Sox fans. Welcome to 2022 baseball. How do you like that? Uh, my Yay. name is Ian Eskridge, and I am here with my co-host, Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? Uh, much better since the last time that uh, we sat down to do this together. Uh, yeah, uh, we actually have something different to talk about as opposed to the uh, the last three months, or at least... You know, the major topic of what the last three months has been. Man, it feels so good to not have to talk about the CBA, at least as a basis of everything that you more or less have to talk about because there's so much stuff going on, uh, so much bickering and arguing in between the owners and the players, and it is lovely to actually see actual baseball talk and baseball footage on Twitter and my, you know, my, uh, timeline or, uh, feed my Twitter feed, uh, is just filled up with actual baseball stuff. Feels so nice. Yeah. I, uh, I can't agree more. Although, uh, the only thing I will say is we will find a way to talk about that CBA some way tonight. I guarantee it. Well, but, uh, you know, it will not be the main yeah, and it won't be the mon- the main focal point of the show tonight. Uh, instead of being a, a complete uh, moan fest from us guys here at White Sox Daily, we'll actually have uh, some happy things to talk about. So happy thoughts, you know. We'll get uh, we'll paint some little happy trees over here, and you know some little happy trees over there, and yeah, fun times. Here we are. I mean, it took a few months, but here we are, and we're finally on the other side of that stupid thing, and don't have to think about it for another four years, because then there's going to be another. Oh, Grimtall, thanks for the sub, man. Hey. Thank you much. Appreciate it. Eight months. That's insane. Uh, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, so obviously... The White Sox are in camp now, and Thirsty Fire, how you doing? Uh, White Sox are in camp, and we've got uh, videos popping up on Twitter of Eloy hitting tanks and uh, Lance Lynn, you know, spearing, you know, uh, Jose Rodriguez ground balls right by his uh, balls, and um, it's I, I just so happy to actually talk about baseball. Yeah. Amazing. You know, and it's funny too. You're, you're talking about Eloy hitting tanks. Uh, yeah, I gotta say there was, there was a picture of Eloy floating around out there. He kind of looked a little bit like a tank. Like that boy had been, uh, boy went on the Yohan Moncada Twinkie diet. Well, you know, um, <laughs> he did hit a, uh, a monster shot today at, uh, at camp. So, Hey man, if the guy hits 35, 40 home runs, Eating Twinkies, yeah. you know, Twinkies and Moncada did it, so, you know, and Robert did it on Domino's and uh, Orange Fanta, so who am I to say uh, what the proper diet is supposed to be for a Major League Baseball player, having never played baseball myself? They're, they're just carbo-loading. They're getting ready for the season. That's what it is. Carb-loading. That is, uh, that, that's a solid theory. Um, saw that Michael Kopech was throwing his first side of the season today and you know they only showed a couple of pitches in the video but 
looked halfway decent. You know, I, I'm not going to. Tony LaRusso said something about uh, him not throwing any live BP at all during the lockout. So, uh, sort of a, a tempered expectations thing. Um, do you think that that has anything to do with him wanting to kind of limit the amount of pitches he threw during the lockout to try and preserve himself to last longer in the season? Or do you just think that uh, he's deciding not to push himself that hard yet? Uh, I think it could be a number of things. I think it could be a little bit of, of both of the things that you just mentioned. Uh, I also think it's a possibility that even, you know, obviously if he's not throwing live, I I don't, I I find it very hard to believe that he hasn't been throwing at all. Uh, you know, it's, there's definitely a difference to be said about a pitcher throwing with a batter in the box. Uh, and then there's, you know, another difference where that batter is actually swinging the bat, but, uh, I got to believe that, uh, Michael has gone out and stretched his arm out knowing that he was going to be, uh, moving into the rotation this season for the first time as what, I guess what you would call a full-time starter, even though he's probably going to be on an innings limit, uh, you know, being that they didn't quite do what they set out to do last season with him. So, um, you know, I think it could be a little bit of all that, but. You know, it might be a little bit of gamesmanship on the part of Tony Larusa as well, too, is to not allude to the rest of the uh, AL Central and uh, you know baseball in general. All these other guys out there that uh, you know maybe Michael Kopech isn't ready. So you know uh, that's about the best spin I can put on all of that. But uh, you know what he comes out and does remains to be seen. I guess. What are your yeah. thoughts? What are you what were you kind of leaning towards? I kind of think that it's possible that he knows that he's on that innings limit and that we are talking about, I mean, the guy's been a a monster since he was probably 13. Um, I, I, do, I do honestly think that he's going to come into the season unprepared because I don't. I mean, to me, it seems like he's got a little bit more uh, – common sense in that. You know what I'm saying? It, like to me, it just doesn't seem like that's something that he's going to pull. I mean, I know that there's been some uh, questions about him in the past about, you know, mental health and all that, but I don't think that this is a byproduct of that. I would think that at least I would hope that he's thinking, well, you know, they're going to want me to keep on pitching late. And he threw about 70 innings last year. So, you know, you're looking at even even if he doubles his inning count, you're only looking at 140 innings. And as we know, um, we have seen from uh, White Sox Twitter and uh, all sorts of other stuff. People are not happy with pitchers that throw 132 innings in a year, so I doubt they're going to be happy with a guy that throws 140. So right. uh, I would think that he's trying to uh, do whatever he can to try and. Um, hopefully trying to hold on to whatever, you know, stamina he can by starting a little bit later on the heavy, heavy stuff, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's my thoughts on it. I don't, uh, I don't know. You know, that's, that's yeah. what I'm hoping for anyway. I, uh, you know, I, you would hope that, uh, 
he's conditioned himself. Uh, whether or not the team is going to come out and say that he has, you know, obviously Tony's comments kind of leave you a little uh, uneasy, as so to speak, you know, thinking that uh, maybe he's not as prepared as they would like him to be. I, I don't really know, you know, where that comes from, how much truth there is to it, but especially being that, you know, uh, Carlos Rodon is now uh, with the San Francisco Giants. You're missing that part of your rotation. Uh, you know, uh, I saw somebody ask about uh, the, the Velasquez signing in the chat here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, anybody who's anybody and, and has talked about this, that signing has been talked about the last couple of days quite a bit because, uh, you know, let's be honest, uh, the numbers don't jump off the page. As a guy, and you know, when when you hear it's a, a major league contract, you know, you hope that this guy's just kind of there to eat some innings here and there. You don't want to see him come out and have to get a hundred innings because Michael Kopech can't go. You know what I mean? And if you don't really have that fifth or sixth starter in place at the moment, you're hoping that Michael Kopech can at least do that 140, if not more. So, um, you know. Again, we don't really know. We won't know until we see, you know, the pro- the progression of this whole thing. But uh, it doesn't leave you with a great feeling, does it? Well, I, you know, after, you know, I remember him from uh, obviously his uh, famous jaunt into left field against the uh, the White Sox. Um, but. Uh, and, and, you know, like thing was, is that I knew, uh, Reverend 50, thanks, uh, 56. Hey, hey, thanks, thanks for, for the follow. follow. Appreciate it. Go ahead and, uh, give you a little bit of this action. Yeah. Get it. Urinator. Oh man. Where's he at? No, he's not there. Why is he not there? He should be there. Mm-hmm. I'll have to, I'll have to, uh, edit that back in there. Um, yeah. I saw him. I, you, you look at the, uh, the numbers, on Velasquez and you look at his uh, numbers on baseball savant uh, for his percentiles uh, amongst pitchers and the numbers are not good. Uh, They're actually really, really bad. Uh, Pretty much the worst in major, you know, one of the worst in major league baseball. He's in like the eighth, ninth, 10th percentile on pretty much everything. And that's not what you want to see. Um, No. Yeah, it's it's not so good, and you know, you you look at his uh, his uh, walks and hits in, in innings pitched, uh, his WHIP, and it's uh, last year uh, he was somewhere around one point five, which uh, for those of you out there that are not accustomed to looking at uh, metrics, um, that's not good. Um, it's that's really bad. Yeah, really that's really bad. bad. That's like uh, James Shields' first year. With the White Sox bad, um, yeah. Which we all remember that that was really ugly and not any fun, and I don't want to relive that. On the plus side, uh, Ethan Katz was uh, mentioned. I don't remember who it was. Might have been Fegan. Uh, said that he's really looking forward to getting his hands on him and uh, working with him and trying to improve on his numbers and if you look at his uh on baseball savant you look at his uh fastball spin rate and i think it was in the ninth percentile in baseball and that's one of those things where 
they get them into a pitch lab, uh, start working with the core velocity belt, start doing, you know, all that, uh, you know, alphabet soup stuff that they're doing over there and, um, might be able to work out some way of getting him some extra, you know, some extra torque on those pitches, uh, some extra drive on him. I mean, he's, the velocity's there. I mean, the guy throws hard. Um, it's just, well, yeah, a, that's the thing. Uh, and, and I'm to, I'm sorry, I don't mean to step on you, yeah, here, but, uh, you know, I just kind of want to throw out what I heard. I read something that basically somebody compared him to Zach Birdie and the fact that he throws extremely hard, but he throws middle cut fastballs that go straight as an arrow with no movement. And the secondary pitches are uh, close to non-existent. Their spin rates are just not good anywhere. Yeah, there's the, there's the, the whole thing, you know, where – the elite pitchers like a Dylan Cease, uh, uh, Lucas Giolito, uh, you know, if you want to go on other teams like a Garrett Cole and things like that, their fastballs have a lot of carry. And his fastball does not have a lot of carry. And uh, that's, I, I, I would have to assume that uh, that is one of the major reasons why his fastball does get hit. Um, I guess we'll find out. And uh, hopefully Ethan Katz can work his magic and see what happens. I mean, most people, when they saw that signing, assumed that it was going to be a minor league deal and then come to find out that it is indeed a major league deal. And uh, so it's we see what happens. Uh, let's hope that he is one of those uh, guys that's mopping up in, uh, you know, if his performance continues as it has in the last few years. Um you hope that he's just uh, relegated to uh, that mop-up duty slash long reliever in uh, blowouts, and that's pretty much it. You hope that he's not taking too many starts. But I do have faith in Ethan Katz, and, uh, you know, the guy has done some amazing things. I mean, you saw the improvement in Carlos Rodon last year, uh, not to, you know, uh, rip, you know. I feel pretty... Not gonna lie, I felt pretty pretty sad that they let Rodon walk. I was not surprised, um, especially when I saw the amount of money that he got from the Giants. I was certainly not surprised. Um, but yeah, but I mean, it was a difference of less than four million dollars a year between the qualifying offer and what Carlos was doing was getting over the next two seasons. That is true. And, uh, However, you know, I, I well, I know a lot of people are. A lot of people are still on that, you know, Carlos hasn't uh, hasn't shown beyond one season that he could do, he could pitch an entire season with his injury history, and he did fall off a little bit at the end of last year, although, you know, you and I have talked about this ad nauseum on this show, that, uh, you know, he was coming back from major surgery. This was going to be his first full season after such a thing, so, you know, maybe the conditioning and strength just wasn't there you know, at the end of the year. And now he's got a whole another year under his belt. What could have been, uh, you know, I, I just, I think two years two year contract to me, isn't that risky. That's what I thought. Even if it's at $22 million a year, it's only two years. You know, if it doesn't work out, you, you, you eat that and you, and you move on, especially for a guy who, you know, at one point, if he had the innings to qualify, Probably would have finished top five Cy Young voting last year. Yep. 
And you look at all the other guys that were in that top five in Cy Young voting, and how many of them are making only $22 million a year? I have three things to mention about this. Uh, first, um, I will mention in retort to your uh, only $4 million, uh, about $4 million difference between the qualifying offer and the 22 that Carlos got. Yes, the difference between those two numbers is $4 million. However, last year, the White Sox paid him $3 million, and the difference between that and what Carlos got is $19 million, and the difference from what the White Sox wanted to pay him and what the Giants paid him is probably somewhere in the realm of... uh, the same number <laughs> because I don't think that they, you know, I, I don't think that they wanted to, I mean, it was clear that they didn't want to pay him. Uh, they certainly didn't want to pay him 18.6 or whatever the uh, qualify 18.4, whatever that, whatever the, the qualifying offer number was, they clearly didn't want to pay him that. Otherwise they would have offered it to him. Um, so there's that. Uh, my first two thoughts when I heard that, that low signed with the giants was, um, yeah think you and i might have had one of these same thoughts almost immediately is that at least we only have to see him once in july uh that's the only time that the white Sox see the giants uh this year except for possibly uh in the world series um and my second thought was he got scooped up by san francisco who is ethan katz's uh you know the home of ethan katz mlb uh pitching coach mentor so I'm almost a hundred percent certain that when he came available, uh, he would, you know, I'm sure that they reached out to each other and he was like, Hey, you know, he's available. Are you, you know, like, are you guys, you know, looking to uh, resign him? Is it worth, you know, worth looking into? And I'm sure that Ethan probably had glowing things to say about him because, you know, regardless of his health history, the guy's a really solid dude and he works. You know, I know that uh, there are stories out there to the contrary uh, about him being lazy. I, I don't know who even said it at, at this point. I mean, it's been years since I heard it, but you know, there was uh, there was a little bit of that that people were saying that he was not uh, working out hard enough in the off season. Blah blah blah. But uh, you know, you can't really be mad at the guy for only pitching 132 innings or whatever it was that he pitched last year after pitching, you know, 70, the, you know, two years before that. And what, like three, you know, like not even two and a half (laughs) innings or something like that the year before. Uh, (laughs) I just, I can't, can't be mad at the guy. And, you know, also I would like to point out that Carlos Rodon was told not to have TJ surgery. He was told to rehab and not get the TJ. And so he tried doing the rehab and tried working through things, and it didn't work. So I'm, I'm not going to blame him for that either because that was the medical advice that he got. You know, and I understand the whole not, you know, trying not to get surgery for as long as possible uh, until it's absolutely the last resort. I get that. So, you know, just... Just my random thoughts about uh, our uh, our uh, draftee that is now uh, living, going to be living in the Bay Area, and uh, kind of sad, but 
is what it is. We'll see what uh, we'll see what Mr. Han has up his sleeve. I know that there are some rumors floating around about uh, the Reds dumping. Uh, was that Tyler Malley and uh, um, Castillo possibly, and then Sean Manaya still available from the A's because we know that they're dumping people. They just uh, dealt uh, Olsen to the Braves today, so I'd say it's a pretty foregone conclusion that Freddie Freeman probably will not be in Atlanta uh, two years after winning the MVP and the year after winning a World Series with the team. So that's uh, that's uh, you know. Yeah, and the A's are definitely in uh, full-on fire sale mode uh, after uh, trading uh, Marcus Simeon last year, and now we're kind of watching that team just, you know, sell off everything that's anything of value. Uh, I personally would love to see Sean Manea come over to the White Sox. We we need another lefty arm, uh, and uh, you know, he's not the the uh, the most glamorous guy out there the, the you know the the most shining lights of names to uh to become in our direction but uh you know i, I think uh i think it would be a, a a very fair addition to uh to this white Sox team and one that could probably be had for uh you know not selling off the entire farm so so <laughs> I'm a big fan of Joe Kelly and uh the White Sox signed him this week. I was pretty stoked. Um did you like the signing? What did you think of it? I, I do like the signing. My only uh my only issue with that is as we know he had some uh, nerve injury issues, problems. Uh he's been banged up here and nothing crazy. It's not like he's gone through any kind of, you know, major Tommy John surgery in the last two or three years, but, uh, you know, he's had some moments over the last couple of years. Uh, and then we heard about it earlier, uh, today actually, where they came out and said, he's probably not going to be ready for, you know, opening day because he's still kind of rehabbing this, uh, this nerve issue that he was working through in the off season. But, they uh, they also like to say that they're erring on the side of caution on that one that he probably could be ready. Joe Kelly would say he's ready. So, um, uh, yeah, I think it's huge. You know, you go out and you pick up Liam Hendricks last year, who we know we know is got a huge attitude on the mound, and now Joe Kelly comes and brings another level of fire to that bullpen. Uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty happy about the signing as well. As long as he's healthy, man, bring it on. Let's go. Yeah, I I was super happy about it. That was one of those uh, signings that I was hoping that the White Sox might look into. Um, however, I didn't think that you know Rick Hahn was going to go into uh, sign two relievers before he you know did anything else. Um, the White Sox also picked up uh, Josh Harrison, second baseman, played for the uh, A's. Uh, last year, and also played for the Nationals and uh, who am I? Uh, Pirates, right? Yeah, I think that's. Pirates. I think that's it. I think that's the three teams he's been with. Anyway, uh, he, you know, uh, last year I think he was like something around a one hundred three WRC plus. So he's 
a little bit uh, just a hair above an average player uh, as far as that goes. Um, one thing that you will hear about uh, Mr. Harrison is that uh, he quote-unquote plays, plays baseball the right way. And um, we know Tony's will, a big fan of that. Yeah, exactly. He's going to hustle. He is like uh, basically like one of those uh, stereotypical Tony Larusa kind of guys. A guy that's going to hustle. He's going to do the little things, and um, is also a good second baseman, which uh, takes the the sting away from uh, Leury possibly being the the everyday second baseman. I mean, he's not a bad second baseman he's a fairly decent second baseman however you know as we've talked about before is that his main attraction is that he is able to play almost everywhere and the great thing about Josh Harrison is that he is also able to play everywhere uh, except for catcher so uh, you basically have two of those guys that are very versatile Um, I would probably take a guess that Harrison is probably a better outfielder than Lairi as well. Um, it's possible that he does have a that uh, Lairi does have a better arm than him. He does have a fairly uh, a fairly good arm. Um, I don't know. I'd have to look and see what uh, Harrison's uh, metrics are on his arm just to uh, quantify what I've seen, but. Um, what did you think about the Harrison signing? Did you like it? Did you dislike it? I'm neither here nor there. I'm not mad about it. I was kind of just meh. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't want to say that to, to sound like I'm upset or, you know, not even happy about it. I just kind of am. Uh, I was. I guess I was hoping for more in the second base department. But, you know, he, he is a guy that is generally healthy. Uh, has been playing the game for a long time, and like you said, plays the game the right way. Got some wheels. Uh, we know that he can run, uh, and he is a solid defender. Contact, good contact hitter. Doesn't hit for huge numbers, but uh, you know, second base. It's kind of one of those things. It's uh, you know, it's uh, an outlier if you do find a second baseman who can go out and hit you a bunch of dingers, and you know, be a a, a doubles and triples machine all day long, and you know, hit you eight nine hundred OPS. So, you know, it, it was the, his kind of numbers were what we were hoping for when we picked up Cesar Hernandez last year. And then Cesar Hernandez kind of blushed his uh, second half of the season once he came over to the Sox. So uh, if you get that out of Josh Harrison, if you get what you expected out of Cesar Hernandez last year, instead of what actually happened with Cesar Hernandez last year, I think it's a solid move. Uh, and it, it's a definite improvement over what we had, you know, going into, uh, the off season. Yeah. My thoughts as well. I mean, even if they, even if they had kept, uh, Cesar Hernandez and, uh, did whatever, you know, I did whatever with them after they signed Harrison, I would still think that it was a, uh, an upgrade. Um, I, you know, more, no matter what you do, Cesar Hernandez is going to be a, bel- a below average hitter um you know i it's like his his first couple of months uh, actually his first month with the with the guardians was terrible last year and then he picked it up and was killing the ball for like two months and then he got traded and then he went back to 
bad Cesar Hernandez again. <laughs> and uh, like everything kind of averaged out to his normal career mean it by the end of the year. You know, his, his numbers looked like they were in concert with the rest of his numbers from the rest of his career. It was, you know, 235, you know, with a low slugging percentage and a, you know, passable OBP. Right. So, yeah, I think no matter what, I think that this is a uh, an upgrade at least over Hernandez, which you know, in the grand scheme of things, uh, I think that uh, between him and TA in the middle of the infield, I think that that's a a nice double play combination, and um, you know, an agitator. I'm fine with uh, having somebody that's going to stir it up a little bit and. Uh, doesn't mind running the bases and does a, a pretty decent job running the bases. Uh, he'll get himself into some rundowns here and there. Um, apparently, he really enjoys it. Uh, I think it was on uh, the corporate uh, White Sox podcast that they mentioned that he has a dog named Pickle um, because he does enjoy getting into rundowns. So, And apparently, nobody's better at it than him. So, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, and you know the thing is too is you know you talk about uh, him and TA being you know your middle infield guys that are going to turn some uh, some double plays. Uh, the other thing about that is too is now we think about uh, the rule changes that have have come across the board uh, in the last week or so, and you know limiting defensive positioning the way that uh, MLB is talking about uh, you know eliminating the shift and. Uh, you know, having a guy with his kind of quickness on that side of the bag can't hurt either. He's he's got some range. He's going to get to some balls. He's going to make some moves, and uh, you know that's also a plus in my book as well. Yeah. Uh, question uh, in chat from Thirsty Fire says, "Who would you recommend the White Sox consider for right field?" And this is this is a tough one. You know, we've talked about this uh, numerous times. And uh, we were talking about it in the White Sox Daily uh, chat earlier today as well. And, um, you know, there was mention, obviously, of one Michael Conforto. Uh, There was also uh, Jock Peterson and Schwarber and, um, you know, uh, Eddie Eddie Rosario and Castellanos as well. Um, You know, I, I... slag the uh the rosario thing like almost immediately but then i was like well you know he did have a really nice playoff run for the braves last year and he did have some uh some really nice clutch hits for them so you know i it it, would it be an upgrade in uh in right field uh defensively not over angle obviously but over vaughn and sheets yes it would be uh despite the fact that you know, we've seen those uh, those montage videos of all of his uh, horrible plays uh, when he was with the Twins. Um, but uh, I have to say that it would be a defensive upgrade. Um, as far as who the White Sox should actually sign, I don't know, man. This is this is a tough a tough one. Uh, I would say that they probably obvi- obviously would try and opt for a left-handed bat out of the uh, available guys. Um, who's t- who's ticking the box for you on this? Because, like, I'm kind of torn. Um, 
I'm not a hundred percent sold on Conforto, and I'm here's the reason why. Um, I think that a guy like him is probably going to command somewhere in the eighty million to a hundred million range and range between four and five years probably is my guess, unless they get really lucky and get him on some sort of one-year pillow deal for you know quite a bit less than that. Um, and given his uh, his performance last year, uh, and hearing from, uh, I think it was, uh, if I remember correctly, it's Wayne Randazzo, who works for the Mets now, uh, who used to be in Chicago media. I heard him on a radio interview more or less saying that he gets into his own head uh he's kind of got that Paul Canerco thing going on where you know he starts tinkering with his swing and uh overthinks things a lot and that was one of the major reasons why it was speculated that he did get into that funk last year and i don't know he did you know come out of it at the end but uh then again, you know, he was bad for, you know, two months before he was good for two months. So is that where you really, we talked about them getting Harper and everybody complained about $25 million a year being too much for Harper, but now everybody's gung ho on trying to sign Conforto when he's more than likely probably going to be around the eight, you know, like 18, 19, $20 million a year thing. And if that doesn't guy doesn't even possess the same kind of skill set, not even close <laughs> and uh, is not going to uh, be one of those franchise altering players uh, is not going to really move the needle on uh, Jersey sales across the United States. You know, like he might sell some here if he comes out of the gate hot. But I thought about this earlier this week. If he comes out looking like he did last year, here, after they just spent $20 million on him, White yeah, Sox Twitter is going to turn into a giant dumpster fire. So what uh, what ticks the uh, the boxes for you? Who, who do you who are you who would you recommend <laughs> to uh, uh, assistant GM uh, Thirsty Fire here? Uh, well, see now I'm kind of in the same boat with you being that this is a difficult one. I have been beating the Cassianos drum for a long time. Anybody who's been, you know, listening to our show or watching the stream, uh, kind of knows that I've been beating that drum for a while, but I recently heard something very similar to what you were talking about with Conforto. Nick Cassianos, after signing some short deals is looking for a long-term home and a big payout. And, uh, you know, I know the White Sox are pretty high on some of the international guys that they signed, and you know those guys might be a year or two away, and I'm not sure they want to dole out a four- to six-year contract. So that might take them out of the running for him. I don't really know. Uh, but I do believe that he's the kind of guy that might be, uh, at least slightly, uh, a franchise-altering kind of player. I mean, his bat would play huge, absolutely monstrous, at the cell, but, uh, or I should say the G rate now. Um, but I just don't know that they're going to want to give him the, the length of contract that he is seeking at the moment. Uh, and then, you know, with the Conforto thing, I'm with you hundred percent. I've never really been sold on the guy. 
uh, because he does go into those extended slumps. This is not just something that's happened last year. Uh, He's done it for a while. Uh, And, you know, when he does look good, he's, you know, monstrous. Problem is, is he's extremely inconsistent in that department. Um, We've seen that uh, where guys disappear for two months at a time. And uh, it it makes for not fun baseball. Yeah, right. It is extremely frustrating, especially now after going to the playoffs, uh, you know, back to back two years and winning only one game each of those those playoff series. Uh, you're kind of hoping that you don't get a guy who's going to fall flat on his face. You know, you, I, that level of inconsistency is, it's just, it's scary to me. So, you know, if I'm pitching anybody right now, again, it's going to be, it's going to be Cassianos, and I'm hoping that somebody bites on that. Cause you know, we can talk about Cespedes and, 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 you know, all the other young international guys that are, you know, coming up through the system right now, but nobody really knows what they're going to do. Uh, you know, if you sign Castellanos, you can maybe dangle those guys for trade bait, you know, go out and get you that, that frontline pitcher if you can, or, you know, do whatever you can with it. But, uh, you know, I, you know, there's other options out there. I saw somebody mention Solaire in the chat. Uh, you know, he's another one of those guys where, you know, level of consistency is a little, it's probably a little bit better than Conforto's, but at the same time, uh, there's been some issues in his game off and on throughout the years. Uh, and it took him a little bit longer to come into his own than I think a lot of people would have liked to seen. Um, yeah, it's just tough, man. It really is tough. Yeah, I agree. This is a, this is a tough position for them to be in because uh, and, and like another thing that I'm thinking about, if I'm looking at this from Han's perspective, is that do you want to take a risk on a guy like Conforto at 20 plus million dollars a year? And do you want to mortgage the future on a guy that, you know, they didn't want to uh, spend the money on Rodon thinking he was a question mark? If you have any questions about Conforto, is this the kind of guy that you're going to want to give, you know, if they give him the 520, if that's what uh, the deal ends up being for him, is this the kind of guy that they want to give the biggest contract in franchise history to? And, you know, I know that the the market dictates what players get, and uh, I understand that. Um, but to me, when I look at it, if you are going to give – you know, that kind of money to somebody, you know, I, I would think that you would want it to be, uh, at least a little bit more of a sure thing, you know, like with consistent, consistent numbers every year. So, um, yeah, well, Harper in his first year, close to a 900 OPS the next year, 962. And then last year was like over, over one. So, you know, you can say what you want about his first year, uh, but it was his first year there. So that's fine. Whatever. He still hit the crap out of the ball. So, you know, right. I don't, uh, I'm not discounting Bryce Harper's skill set ever on, on this stream. Just not happening. Um, 126 you know, also- OPS plus good, but not good enough. All right, Rob. Okay, man. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, yeah, like you see that you see that number so often that uh, 
You know, I don't, I don't know what to say. I, yeah. Uh, you know, the other thing about right field, I saw somebody in the, in the chat ask, you know, what's the market for right fielders right now? And, you know, I look at that in a way there's, there's definitely a handful of guys out there that could, you know, probably slot in for the white Sox and get the job done. You know, we don't have to hang our hat on one or two guys and if it doesn't work out, but the thing is now is with the universal DH, you know, some of these big bats that we're talking about that, you know, and none of these guys that we're talking about are like, you know, gold glove right fielders either. Let's be honest. You know, we're looking for offensive help. Yeah. I mean, uh, and if you're talking about teams looking for offensive help, there's a whole half a league now in the national league that's looking for a banger to put on their uh, roster that they didn't necessarily have before because pitchers aren't going to hit anymore. So these guys have a big market and that market is going to play in their favor. So, uh, you know, you're, you might have to pay to uh, get one of these guys to uh, sign with you. You're there. You're not the only, uh, you're not the only, the only play card in town now. You know what I mean? You're not the only play bill. So, uh, it, it, unfortunately, that makes the, the situation even that much more tough for the White Sox. Yeah, that's. I, yeah, this is a, this is a tough one for 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 me. I I don't I don't know who you're who you hit your wagon to at this particular point in time. It's just a it's a tough one, you know. And well, you know the thing about this is is uh, you know this has been an issue in the White Sox organization for a long time. We've discussed that over and over. Uh, and you know, the universal DH has been discussed for at least two or three years now where it sounded like it was getting closer and closer to becoming a thing. And you got to kind of wonder why the white Sox front office did not take advantage of finding that guy before this CBA and the rule change of having universal DH became a reality. Why didn't they go out and get that guy last year? You know, we're going to hang our hat on uh, Spanky, <laughs> which you and I talked about a lot last year, too. And, you know, Eesh. most of the people in the chat kind of shared our uh, our sentiment. And, you know, then you go from Spanky, who, you know, unfortunately couldn't stay healthy. And uh, even when he was out there on the field, really did not look like himself. Uh, you go from that to a uh, first baseman playing the outfield. And your uh, your utility guy playing just about more games than anybody else on the team, you know, even before all the injuries come along. Uh, I, I just feel like they drug their feet a little too much and they put themselves in this position. Yeah, they really I did. agree. I agree. Um, well, I mean, like we said, you know, the farm system not having any outfield depth for years now not having a right fielder for years uh i it's 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 very frustrating and you know the, the fact that if you look at their i think their payroll right now they're second in in uh well at least they were up until uh the the lockout uh, or after uh saturday or whatever it's probably changed since since then um but i think they were close to like second or third in payroll uh, in MLB, um, I'll actually I'll look that up now. But uh, I think that that is that was, right? I'm 
almost positive with the uh, with the Joe Kelly signing. I think that that's what uh, I'm pretty sure that that's what it is now. Uh, it might have, like I said, it might have changed um, since um, since then. Uh, let me look that up right now as we are on the interweb, so I can do that. Uh, okay, so let's see here. Um, I don't know. They're still fifth. 183. That's what it says anyway. Maybe it hasn't been updated. I don't know when it was updated last, so that I can't say. Yeah, um, I, I was going to say, I find it hard to believe they're top two, especially with you know teams like with the, with the, the Padres have got on their uh, roster. The Dodgers are just insane uh well no yeah oh that's true yeah dodgers and mets they're not they're not ahead of them so you're right you're right but uh let me see here what do we got does this have joe kelly on it yeah yes it does okay and the number is 108 okay so it is right they're fifth still um all right so they're fifth in mlb in their payroll now if i told you that they were fifth in mlb in payroll uh, still signing relievers and a guy who would be looked at as a uh, probably a probably a third tier second baseman and you still didn't have a right fielder would you have believed if I told you this a few if I told you if I told you this 2018 that they were fifth in MLB in payroll, had uh, more or less uh, four starters because I'm going to count Kopech and Keuchel as a half each because we don't know what we're going to get out of either of those guys this year. So, uh, you know, like maybe four and a quarter starters, uh, no no real right fielder. Um, You have two, two first basemen slated to play right field, and you just signed a third tier second baseman would you have believed me that i told you that they were fifth in payroll in mlb absolutely not well i you know what i might have believed you in 2018 but i i would have asked you who they signed who did we go out did we trade for bryce harper to put us over that hump you know did we get that one player that raised the bar it's because when you hear that you think well there's a massive superstar Somewhere on this roster, that's you would eating think. Up 30, yeah, thirty-five million a year. Yeah, you would. You think. know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> but no, <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't the highest exist. salary is eighteen and a half million. Lance Lynn. That's your that's your highest right. salary. Now I understand that they you know that they want to uh, extend Giolito and all that stuff. So that might be part of the reason why they're not running out and signing anybody. That they want to extend some of their guys. Uh, this is. Uh, I had this thought uh, a couple of days ago when. I heard that they were, you know, top five and creeping up uh, around the, you know, closer to the 200 million mark. And I was thinking to myself, well, you know, this is kind of one of those things that happened. I, I, this would not have happened uh, in say, you know, say that the, you know, if you're going to ratio down to 2015, like what, you know, salary and what the luxury tax was at that point and what the average salary uh were at at that point if a team were to not extend all of their younger players before their arbitration was up 
they wouldn't be anywhere near the fifth. You know, I mean, they're adding, you know, a, what, uh, let's see, they got uh, Mankata, who's uh, making $13 million. You know, he might be closer, you know, closer to 10. I mean, you're you, basically you're adding, with the guys that, are, that were pre-arb, you're basically adding like another $20 million to your salary just by, you know. Right, and if you think about that, we're at 183. Now you take that $20 million away, it puts you down to 163, and it's probably much closer to what I would have thought after, you know, looking at the roster the way it's you know, compiled right now. Yeah. Now, now, I here's, you know, we got this new competitive, uh, or I'm sorry, the uh, the CBA. And, uh, you, you know, so the, the first tier was raised to $230 million. Is Is that right? I believe that's the number yeah. they uh, finally yep. agreed upon. For the uh, for the CBT, the first first threshold of the CBT is at two hundred and thirty million. Now, if the White Sox are at one hundred and eighty three, you said yep. that leaves us forty seven million dollars, if my math is correct, uh, before hitting that threshold. Now, this is the highest payroll in team history where yep. we stand right now. If they don't make another move this offseason, do you think? that there is a chance that there is still the possibility of going out and signing that $20 million man this year to put him over to 200 and still have, you know, you know, close to 30 million to play with. Well, here's the thing is that one of the things that you always hear Rick Hahn say is that he is retaining flexibility in case he needs to make a move. So do you think that if they go out and sign a Conforto or a, a Castellanos or a Schwarber or Jock Peterson even, uh, that's like uh, Jock Peterson's probably going to make, you know, probably around 15 or something. He's not going to take the deal that he took last year, and nor should he. I mean, he played pretty well last year. Um, Indeed. Are, are you expecting that he, you're going to have – the flexibility that you want to have going into the trade deadline to either a pick up a player that's going to have a higher payroll uh, number or, you know, something along those lines or, you know, next year, say they want to do something next year. I mean, granted they do have uh, no matter what they've got Kimbrell and Keiko coming off the pay payroll for next year. So that's going to free up, you know, $34 million or whatever, 30, somewhere around that uh, for, for next year. So you do get a little bit of that money back, and uh, a couple of the other guys are also going are obviously uh, expiring contracts. Um, so, I mean, they would still retain a little bit of flexibility if this is where, you know, if they're going to live around the 200 mark, then they have quite a bit of flexibility. However, I don't know if that's where they're planning on living, and it's just uh, they know that they've got expiring contracts by the end of this year, so they're not really worried about it for this one particular year. Um, I don't know. I'd also like to point out that the White Sox have, uh, out of their $183 million payroll, they have $52.5 million in relievers on their staff right now. So that is uh, also... One of those things that had you told me that a few years ago, <laughs> I would not have believed that either. That's uh, you know, 
especially the, a, a team that is a pipeline. I mean, just an, a, an extreme flow of uh, reliever pitchers. Homegrown. Yeah. Homegrown relief pitchers coming out of the system. I mean, it just seems like they're cranking them out left and right. And now you're going to tell me that they've got $52 million on their current payroll on the 26-man roster. Uh, Yeah, it's a little bit of a head-scratcher, man. You know, things that make you go, hmm. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Yeah, so... I don't know to answer that question about the uh, about the outfielder. Don't know. Um, <laughs> what are the, what are the, what are the White Sox going to do? Your question. <laughs> yeah, what are the White Sox going to do next? I have no idea because I don't know if they're. Uh, you know, I, I and I've kind of been of the thought process that I didn't think that they were going to spend any real money. Uh, this you know before the season started. I just, I wasn't buying it, you know, like I, I don't see them going out and spending a ridiculous amount of money on the open market to sign a right fielder or, you know, I, now they've got Harrison, but I, you know, I wouldn't have expected them to spend, not that there really were any really great second baseman out there, even to begin with uh, everybody that was, you know, quote unquote, a, a good fit at second base. They're all shortstops. So, right. Um, right. You're going to have to pay uh, Texas type money, uh, Texas toast uh, size money, uh, and uh, you know if you want uh, a Seager and a Semyon, you know one of them's going to take second base, and you know you're going to have to pay a very large contract to get somebody to play, you know, some place that they are not really looking to play at, you know. So, and I didn't see the White Sox doing that, and uh, you know from. A bunch of uh, uh, I, the big podcasts. They said, "Oh yeah, Semyon, he's a realistic option." I was like, "What are you? What are you talking about? How can I? Mean, how you could know, I you gotta, look at what the White Sox have done in the past <laughs> and think, yeah, it's a realistic thought? Come on, man." No, I mean, I'll be honest with you. If you'd have told me the day the season ended in heartbreak after that playoff series, that uh, if you'd have told me that the two biggest off-season acquisitions by mid-March were going to be Kendall Graveman and Joe Kelly, I would have laughed dead in your face. Quite honestly, I would have been there. There's no stinking way that that's going to be the deal. And yet, here we are. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the Sox have always played their cards close to their chest when it comes to uh, off-season dealings. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, I, a lot of it leaves me wanting more, and a lot of it leaves me scratching my head. And uh, but the other part of that is, is you know, when you listen to Rick Hunt, says, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm good with," you know, in in one breath he says, "You know, we feel like we've got a great team here on paper, and uh, you know, guys come healthy, and we think we can still do some pretty big things with things the way they stand right now." And in the next breath, come out and say, "Well, you know." We feel like we got to do anything we can to uh, win a World Series this year. You know, uh, there's a lot of double talk going on there. Uh, you know, that double speak that uh, they're really good at doing. You know, some folks seem to lean towards the, uh, well, they're going to stand pat mentality. And other folks seem to think, well, you know, there's this big jump in, in the CBT threshold. And, uh, you know, we've got payroll to, to, to you know to play with. Uh, I don't really know where I stand anymore because I'll be honest with you. Just two days ago, I thought 
they were done for the offseason. And, you know, we ended up getting Joe Kelly and Josh Harrison. Joe Kelly, I felt, you know, good about. Josh Harrison, I'm kind of eh about. Uh, neither one of them was really, you know, like the wow, oh, my God, I can't believe yeah, that happened no. deal. Uh, but they happened. And uh, I wasn't, uh, you know, I, I will say I was uh, a bit shocked at both of oh, those. Push your robot. Thanks for the sub. Appreciate it. Three months. Thank you. Thank you. You rock, man. Appreciate uh, it. Three months in advance, keeping us honest over here, huh? Three months in advance? No. Oh, was that? Oh, I'm no, sorry. No, it's, no, three yeah, month, it's the these, three month yeah. anniversary. I was gonna say, gotcha. Whoa, all right. Well, I was just, yeah, you're trying to keep us honest, you know, but we've been yeah. doing this for a year now. So, uh, yeah. Uh, um, you know, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I, I don't see the, uh, I don't see the checkbook opening up for a, for a huge thing, but you know, stranger things have happened and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. It it could uh, it could be one of those things where we're surprised, and uh, you know, like Rick Hahn always loves to say, "Well, they said we'd never do a deal with the Cubs, and we'd never do this, we'd never do that, and we did that, and we'd never do this, and we did it." And uh, he loves uh, running through those things uh, with the attaboys. So. <laughs> you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe something, uh, something does happen, and I will be shocked. Um, I hope yeah, it's I that I'm shocked in a good was, way. I don't think there was anybody on the planet that you know three months ago could have prognosticated what the uh, White Sox roster looks like today. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's. I mean, you know, you certainly wouldn't have thought that uh, the big signings would be a reliever and a reliever. You know, setup guy and a setup guy. So. I don't know, whatever, man. Um, it, you know, uh, we were talking earlier about the uh, the Sean Manaya thing. Um, now, see, here's the thing: is that this is a bone of contention every single time this thing comes up. Would you rather that the owner opened up the purse strings? And just went out and signed a free agent or that, you know, we're going to go out and trade with the A's to try and uh, pry away Sean Manaya, or you're going to trade with, uh, with the Reds and try and pry away, pry away Luis Castillo. Uh, and Tyler Molly. yeah, you, you have the 30th ranked farm system in baseball, which, you know, whether, whether or not you agree or disagree you're also still looking at the fact that the White Sox probably have like a somewhere in the area of five to eight guys that you really have uh, like major hopes for. You know, like there's a bunch of reliever guys that, uh, you know, look like they're going to be really good. Uh, there's um, some guys who look like they have. Um, like they they could have a higher uh, floor and ceiling than you thought originally, but there's really only like five to eight guys that you can really look at and say that guy could possibly be, you know, major league plus player for right. years. Like there's only a few of those guys in the system, and that's well, why and they're... even those even some of those relievers. Like how much value does a reliever uh, garner in a in a trade situation and usually it's not a lot you know more often than not those guys get packaged you know with something else in a deal so yeah they bring I, I they bring where, a blake rutherford on the way back 
<laughs> so, um, but my my point is is that these guys, these you know five to eight guys that you're that you're dreaming on that you're thinking might be plus guys possibly at some point. These other teams are looking at those same guys, and that's who they want from you to get these guys. And I know that now is the contention window. How many, you know, like who are you going to be willing to give up, you know, and what do you expect in the return? You know, I mean, are you willing, I, I like me personally, I, I'm not uh, in the, uh, converse, like I personally am not in the conversation to give away those kind of guys for uh, a guy like, you know, at least multiple guys for uh, for a Sean Manaya, and especially you're you're looking at one year of control for Manaya, um, and you know last year in a nice big ballpark for the A's he didn't ha- necessarily have the best numbers. Uh, that you would be willing to shell out, you know. I don't. I don't know. Obviously, I'm not involved in the trade talks there. Um, but right, I get where you're going with that. You know. I don't yeah, know. I get where you're going. So let me ask you this then: Looking at what's available, what's left in the uh, the free agent market, and uh, this I'm bringing this up from a conversation that I had with uh, some of the admins at uh, White Sox Premium on Facebook earlier, and somebody mentioned. Uh, uh, Mr. Danny Duffy being available, you know, another left-handed pitcher that's uh, at coming least off viable. Injury. He coming off injury, but has had a a, a somewhat viable career and and could, you know, potentially fit into this rotation. But uh, other than that, who do you see out there on the free agent market that you would slot in as your fourth or fifth? At this point, it's pretty much up to uh, guys that all have huge question marks. You know, like you bring up Danny Duffy. Guy was injured and didn't pitch, you know, what? He pitched uh, a third of the season last year. Does that sound about right? Yep. Um, Yeah, I mean, you're looking at guys with injury histories, uh, and most of these guys are guys with injury histories that weren't really uh i mean they weren't Cy Young candidates at any point um i don't know man this is a this is a it's a weird year for free agency and and also the thing is is that all the the real top end talent as far as pitching wise was pretty much gone before the lockout happened you know all the guys that uh that that are really sought sought after i mean it's uh you know Kershaw just signed but you know injury problems over the last couple of years and he's getting up there in age. And then, you know, if the White Sox didn't want to spend on Carlos Rodon for the qualifying offer, they're certainly not going to want to sign him for. Right. You know, for you free weren't going to get, uh, you weren't going to get Scherzer at, you know, 43 plus a year certainly for not. that three year contract yep. at 37 years old. Uh, that is insane. It's to me really crazy. million a year for three years. I mean, good good gracious. Yeah, I mean, it's entirely possible it's going to be 100% worth it, too. You know? Well, you know, I don't know. He's one of those guys that it might be. But then there's, you know, 
I mean, he's 37. Yeah. He's going to be 39 at the end of that contract. Yeah, he did take some time some time last year. But then again, you know, we're coming after, uh, you know, last year was after the 2020 season where nobody really threw all that many innings. So expecting somebody to go from, you know, 80, 90 innings to back up to 200 innings is it's a stretch, you know? So I don't know, man. Uh, of the guys that are left right now, there's not really anybody that I'm really chomping at the bit to get at at this point. Um, you know, you say uh, you say Kikuchi just signed with the uh, with the Jays, which yep. you know, uh, I, not that I particularly you know. Every time we we seem to face the uh, Kikuchi with the Mariners, they generally hit him fairly well. Um, so I wasn't particularly enamored with him, but overall his numbers weren't really that bad. It just happened to be that the White Sox hit him fairly well, which, you know, they tend to hit left-handers really well. So that's not really a surprise. Um, right. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a tough market out there. There's not really like that. Uh, not like that, uh, that Zach Wheeler type guy, you know, that the White Sox were really looking to get their hands on. And uh, there, there wasn't like, I mean, there was Robbie Ray, uh, there's a couple of guys that were, uh, you know, upper echelon guys, but all those guys are gone. There's not right. really anybody at this point that I'm sitting here saying to myself, oh, the White Sox should go sign him. I mean, I certainly wasn't saying that about Velasquez, but, no, uh, no. you know. No, because, uh, you know, let's be honest, uh, and no offense to Vince Velasquez if you're out no, there listening. Yeah, of course but, not. Uh, I mean, the guy stinks, man. He has you not. Know, he has um, not done it. I, it. It's just look. You know, you were good enough to make it to Major League Baseball, which says something. You know, you're a darn good athlete. But you know, I hate to beat the dead horse here. That window of contention is now. You know, and uh, striking when the iron is hot is is something that uh, should have been happening. And when the iron was hot before this lockout, there was zero movement from the White Sox. I mean, there was next to even no mentions of the White Sox being tied to anybody before. Yeah, well, with uh, nothing, nothing serious. Yeah, exactly. They were saying, oh, well, these guys, uh, they should be looking for this. There was a bunch of that, uh, but there wasn't like a. Oh, this guy. Yeah, they're definitely in on this guy. I mean, I mean, we didn't hear from we didn't, you know. Bob Nightingale was probably, you know, dying as the rest of the league was moving. And, uh, you know, the bat phone from Jerry's office wasn't lighting up for him. You know what I mean? Uh, You know, and I'm not, I'm not here to beat up on the front office because, uh, you know, if it wasn't for some of those elusive moves by uh, Mr. Rick Hahn, we wouldn't even be at the point of what we're talking about a window of contention right now. So, you know, kudos to that. But yep. there's something to be said about getting to this point and then getting over that hump. And, uh, you know, we were all kind of led to believe that, you know, this team was going to be a serious, serious contender. And, uh, you know, after looking at the last two playoff runs and only having minimal uh, additions since, you know, you hope, yeah, sure. Everybody's going to come back healthy, and, and you hope that they stay healthy for a full 162, and they just roll over opponents. Yeah. 
But, uh, you know, there are some holes that we've been talking about since before the season ended last year that you hope they fill, and those same holes exist today. Yes, they do. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, you don't have Rodon anymore, but now you have Kopech. Um, I'd say that, uh, you know, I would have expected before last year, I probably would have expected a little bit more out of Kopech than out of uh, Rodon. You know, last year had uh, Kopech been ready to start, I probably would have expected more out of him. But, you know, that's not what we got. We got Rodon dominating for three and a half months out of the season. And then for the last month and a half, it was, you know, his, he was gassed. You know, what are you going to do? Um, but then you, you got Kopech, and uh, he went through ebbs and flows last year as a reliever. Um, and you hope that you get somewhat similar production out of uh, Kopech this year. I'm not expecting Cy Young winning type numbers out of him. That's uh, that's obviously asking a bit much. So, I mean, I'm just hoping that uh, you get a slight improvement from Keuchel from last year, get somewhere around like a four ERA, and that uh, Kopech is decent, uh, you know, somewhere around the same, maybe a little bit lower if he can, you know, if, if he can do it. If you do that, then you've got a slight improvement, I think, in the pitching staff. You know, because then, yeah, okay. you, then you've got then you've got five guys, uh, um, and you can at you least know, keep you competitive, right? Exactly, you know? exactly. Is that you're you don't you're not really looking at uh, a hole per se in the in the rotation. So, um, no, you know, but would, you know, we good. talk about the you know the things that are going to help that pitching staff. That's maybe not the top notch pitching staff that you've been hoping for. You know, and there might be some weaknesses at the back end of that that pitching staff, that rotation. You would think that you know what's the next move if you can't go out and get that that frontline starter that people have been pining for. The next move is is you go out and you get some offense to help those guys, or you know, maybe the White Sox feel like the best way to to help them is to uh, get you some stud relievers that these guys only have to go five or six innings a game and you can bring out the Joe Kelly's and the Kendall Graveman's and, 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 you know, you hope that Kimbrell turns it around and you've got the Liam Hendricks to uh, shut it down. I, maybe that's the, the, uh, the, the thought process here. And, you know, if that's the case, then that might be suggesting that, you know, we're not going to get the big bat that everybody's been hoping for, you know, uh, there's a, a lot of different ways that you can look at what has happened so far for the White Sox in this offseason. Now, you know, my hopes still remain high, but I'm not going to hold my breath until, I, you know, my lips turn blue either. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I totally agree. Um, yeah, there's uh, – yeah, I don't I, – I would assume that you saw that the White Sox uh, showed up at number two on uh, the MLB power rankings a couple days ago. I'm sorry. What I was reading the the, uh, the uh, that the White Sox showed up at number two on the power rankings the other day. I did see a tweet about that actually. What do you think about that? Do you think that that's a? Uh, do you think that's realistic? Well, again, just going back to what I was just saying, you know, if we get everybody back and healthy, 
Uh, and you get guys like, uh, you know, Aloy and Luis Robert and, you know, uh, some of the other guys that were on another tweet I saw as far as uh, MVP candidates odds. You know, if these guys are at that type of caliber where they can be talked about in an MVP situation and, you know, you, you get the TAs and, and all these guys performing together all at once. Yeah. There's a, it's a, it's a, a very strong possibility. They could be, you know, one of the top two or three teams in baseball, but again, you know, uh, not to beat that horse, but there are still holes. There are holes that have been there for uh, generations and generations. And, you know, right field is a big one. So, uh, it's tough to say that you're going to be able to compete with, uh, you know, let's, so let's just go ahead and say the Dodgers that are out there spending all this money, which I'm, I'm assuming they were number one. I can't remember who was number one. In the I don't, yeah, I don't even, I don't even remember. All I remember seeing is that they were number two and the Yankees and I, I were believe fairly close that, as well. Uh, some of the uh, projected subtractions for the Braves are actually going to probably drop them uh, in those kind of rankings because they're not going to be able to keep all the guys that they had last season. Uh, you know, we already know that Eddie Rosario is uh, on his way out. Uh, Freddie Freeman is, you know, especially after uh, the moves that were made in the last two days by the Braves pretty much suggest Freddie Freeman is not returning. Yeah. I would assume it's since Olsen's there, that would make sense. Right. So, you know, uh, you know, as the way things stand right now, yeah, maybe. Maybe they're number two. Uh, but, you know, talk to me again. Ask me that question again come opening day when uh, the hot stove is cold and all these moves have uh, been made. Yeah, that's that's one of the things there as well is that I think that kind of goes in concert with uh, the payroll as well because uh, – there's still a bunch of guys out there, and there are teams that are right behind them in payroll. So it's entirely possible that the White Sox still end up, you know, in the top ten, but not in the, you know, top five. Right. Um, you know, uh, this hot stove that we were expecting to go absolutely bonkers after the uh, after the lockout has not. I mean, there's you know, there's been a handful. Of it's been all people that, dumping players. There hasn't really been a lot of signings. It's been trades, right. and it's been a couple of teams that. Uh, you know, the uh, this whole deal, like one of the things that the players were really, really concerned about was stopping teams from tanking to uh, save payroll and all this stuff. And uh, as you can see that it seems to be working really well by uh, looking at the A's and the Reds so far. Yeah, I was going to say Cincinnati. I mean, you want to talk about it. <laughs> oh, I would hate to be a Reds fan right oh, about that. Yeah. Yeah, I actually I mean, we've talked about the A's earlier in the yeah. show, but Cincinnati is really it's gonna be it's gonna be tough sledding for a while there, man. Wow. Yeah, I had a conversation with uh Dan Victor about this earlier today. Um that uh which actually Dan Victor is in the uh the one oh eight tourney, so if uh if you're listening, give hey. him a vote. Uh he's going up against uh Tom Paints, uh who's also a uh you know he's a quality member of the uh, White Sox Twitter as well. Does some really nice, uh, some really nice paintings and stuff. But uh, Dan's our guy, so I'm gonna say vote for Dan. Um, Absolutely. But uh, just an all around good dude on top of it all too. It, so. That that as well, yeah. Um, so 
I had this conversation with Dan about the Reds earlier today that um, Castellanos is um, there was their big free agent this year, and uh, it has been rumored that they have not even spoken to Nicholas Castellanos at all this year. So Reds fans were not happy when that rumor came out. Uh, was it like three or four days ago that uh, the Reds hadn't talked to him at all? And now they've traded uh, Jesse Winker. And, I mean, not that, you know, Winker or uh, Eugenio Suarez are really, uh, you know, like Suarez had a has had two garbage years in a row. So it's not really a, a huge, huge loss, you know. He was kind of one of those guys that everybody thought was just going to keep on, you know, producing and everything and for whatever reason in 2020 and 2021 he has not had those years um but they also uh got rid of Sonny gray uh as you know uh who ended up uh, a little bit north of here and then um there's also rumors of them uh shipping castillo and uh amelia as we were talking about earlier today sir uh, earlier this uh stream so those people are not happy. And if Castillo and Maley get traded as well, there's going to be there's there's not going to there's going to be some really unhappy fans in Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, no, they uh yeah, as mentioned in the chat that they gave up on their rebuild way too soon and I have to agree they uh they did not uh they did not stock the farm as well as they probably should have. And um, the guys that they did invest in didn't uh, pan out exactly as, as they had hoped. And uh, some of their top prospects like Hunter Green and stuff like that ended up having TJ and uh, didn't end up going anywhere quickly anyway. So, uh, yeah, that's a, that's uh, a tough one. Didn't Sixto come through their uh, organization? No, well? no, that was the Phillies. Phillies. I'm sorry. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, man, that's a tough one. Um, so uh, going around the division, uh, you've had some movement there, uh, bringing up the uh, the Sonny Gray thing. Uh, the Twins have uh, reshaped their roster quite a bit. Uh, some people have said that they got worse. Some people have said they got better. Um, they now have uh, no Mitch Garver, which – that's not that's not a good thing, you know. Mitch Garver's a a, a decent player, but now they got uh, old uh, Gary Sanchez, uh, who you know, if you're listening to uh, New York uh, Yankees Twitter, he's uh, yeah, a great yes catcher. Uh, but if you listen to uh, the fans talking on their own radio station, saying that he's not good but they'll defend him to death on Twitter. Um, and uh, who else did they get in that deal? It was uh, 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 Gio Urshela. Gio Urshela, who that, that guy can hit. Uh, and they got rid of uh, Josh Donaldson, which good on them. That uh, worked out uh, really well for them. And um, <laughs> I forget who the other guy was that they traded uh, for yeah. to the Yankees. Uh, but uh, it was I don't a know, minor just, league. Or yeah. Minor league. Ben Horsvetter. So that was a minor league catcher, I think it was what it was. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then uh, yeah, and then they flipped uh, Isaiah Kiner Falefa um, at right after they got him, but they wanted to dump some salary, so that's what they did. With the yeah, uh, the Yankees the were uh, the Yankees were big on him. They've been tied to IKF uh, pretty much the whole offseason. Uh, I know they were kind of wanting him. Uh, he's one of those guys. A uh, little bit of a risky play. He's, he's young. One full season under his belt. I think he came up, you know, part part of the way. And was it twenty twenty maybe or yeah, twenty nineteen. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, so he's probably got like uh, two. Two yeah. technically two full years probably at this point. And yeah, his when his his first uh his first stint up, you know, at the end of the season, he showed some flashes and some signs of really being something. And I think they're kind of hoping that that's uh what they're gonna get out of him. Yeah, that bat just yeah. hasn't uh hasn't produced like they like uh like was projected. Everybody was expecting you know at least a little bit more out of the bat. But the guy plays every single position on the uh on the field other than pitching. So. And he's yeah, a plus he's defender at all of them. Bit. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that was uh, – I I had heard before uh, before Larry got uh, re-signed by the Sox that some people had mentioned that they would like Isaiah Kiner-Falefa from the Rangers, which – I would not I, have been mad. Yeah, I would have been on board with that. That would have been fine. Um, now, would he hit a you know, giant home run in the uh, playoffs against the Astros? Probably not, but, uh, you know. If you had asked me that Larry was going to do it, I probably would have said no too. So, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, the Guardians are uh, still the guard. They're still guardianing. They're they're guarding all their uh, all their money and uh, not wanting to spend any of it. Uh, I had heard a rumor earlier today that the Twins were looking at uh, Trevor Story. Which that would be a uh, interesting development, and so quick question: um, the Twins, while completely uh, reshaping their club, uh, and you know, like it's also been mentioned with uh, Adam Engels that the best ability is availability. Sometimes um, the fact that Donaldson was always injured uh, is it addition by subtraction by getting rid of him. And if they are to pick up a uh, a Trevor Story, how are you feeling about the Twins? Uh, I would say they still finish third or fourth in the division. I don't know if they get if they just, get just if they thought. get Story and Buxton's healthy. I think that they are a lot better than uh, people give them. Uh, <laughs> Give them okay for uh, then I'll then I'll give them a solid third just because I think <laughs> Tigers uh Tigers made some additions uh you know and man, actually the Tigers really I guess haven't done a ton this offseason but Pitcher. Uh, you know yeah yeah but uh you know we also have to look at the they did and, sign Baez so you know if oh, you're, you're looking right. for that if you're looking for that guy that strikes out 220 times a year that's your guy. Yeah, but you know, he's uh, he's the magician. Yes, he is uh, El Mago and he is also uh Tagzilla as well. He oh, yeah. he tags people really well, which is uh very important I'm told. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and if he's catching uh, uh a throw at second base that he knows is going to get the guy out, he's going to 
give the catcher his props while he's catching the baseball and tagging the guy. I need a I need a huck it chuck it football meme from uh, Zach and Mary make a porno. I've uh, never seen it. Oh, you you've never have you never seen hey, this? Never mind. There's a whole scene in there. A drunk guy comes in, you know, after being at a, a uh, Steelers game, and mm. you know he just hook it, chuck it, football. But you know, change it to baseball, and uh, Javi Baez making his spectacular tags at second base. Uh, yeah, it's more like hack it, hack it, and chuck it. I guess probably. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah um, there's that. But, you know, I I was just using the Tiger as an example because, you know, they kept pace with the White Sox. Now, granted, the White Sox, you know, they, they talk, we, and we and I have talked about this too. Uh, it was, you know, after that first month and a half of baseball, up, up until the last week or two of the season, the Tigers pretty much had uh, next to the, the same record during that time span. And, you know, again, that was pretty, actually during the time when the Sox were injured the most as well. So, uh, true. you know, if the White Sox, again, stay healthy, I mean, knock on wood here, but uh, if the White Sox stay healthy, you know, chances are they probably do run away with that division again. But uh, I, you know, I can't sell the Tigers short on what they were able to accomplish with the, the roster they had last season. Uh, they were really, you know, uh, in my opinion, one of the better managers in the game. And uh, he seems to be able to get a lot out of what he has in front of him. So, you know, I think I would put them at a solid two. I don't think the Guardians, like you said, they're guarding their money. They're really not making any uh, spectacular moves. And they had some uh, subtractions uh, in the second half of last season. So, uh yeah. You know, if you if you really want to take that, I'll bump them down a notch and I'll third. But I still think Detroit is better, and uh, you know, I th- I still think the Sox are the team to beat in the Central. Yeah, I would not be surprised, however, uh, if the Tigers took a step back this year because I thought that they were playing way over their head last year. Um, also a possibility. Yeah, I mean, it could be one of those things where they kind of caught. Uh, lightning in a bottle last year with, I mean, cause they had a bad roster last year. It's not like they had a great roster and it was like all this talent that just happened to, uh, you know, come together and be like, Oh man, these guys are really good. There's, there were some bums in there and probably had, uh, you know, career, career years, I would think. I mean, I'm, you know, not an expert on the tigers, uh, but, uh, you know, I would not expect that, you know, and also when some of these guys played the White Sox, they killed us, you know, a couple of those, especially, uh, what's it, uh, the catcher for the Tigers. I can't remember his name off uh, the top of my head. Uh, uh, something with an H. I don't remember. But, uh, yeah, but I, it's like I, I would not be surprised if uh, the Twins kind of uh, rebounded a little bit coming this year from last i think that um i don't i i'm not entire i'm still not entirely sure how the twins finished nearly as badly as they did it i'm still kind of trying to figure that whole thing out how well i mean they had they some pitching so issues they had they some did. major pitching issues last year uh you know they lost a couple of guys uh from you know seasons past 
uh, and they just they weren't able to maintain any kind of uh, consistency in the pitching department. I think that's really probably what killed them the most last season. But uh, yeah, I know you know, and you said that you know they've they've made some additions in that department. So you know, I I see why you're leaning maybe a little bit more towards them being more competitive this year. I can also see the backslide from uh, from Detroit. But again, I, none of these teams scare me as a Sox fan. Uh, you know, I, I, I really don't see any of these teams overtaking the White Sox in that division. Stranger things have happened. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I mentioned that, you know, the manager over there in Detroit, I was listening to the score sometime earlier this week, two or three days ago, where uh, I heard a couple of the guys there saying that, uh, you know, Tony La Russa is sounding more like a manager in his interviews this year. Uh, and uh, I heard somebody say that they see him walking around the complex out there in Arizona with a different air of confidence around him. And, yeah, you know, it just seems like he's finally found his spot in the White Sox organization again. Uh, you know, whether I, what all that means, I don't know. But if he turns out to be the manager that maybe they thought they were getting when they hired him, Last year, if he's, you know, he's he's feeling a little more comfortable with the team, feeling a little more comfortable with upper management above him. And, you know, I think they were saying that Joe Kelly was that guy that was, you know, TLR was, was the one that said, this is the guy I want to get. I want to go out and get him. He's my guy. He had a big play in that Joe Kelly move. Uh, maybe he is, you know, finding his, his place in the organization. I don't really know. I want to see the in-game mistakes. Yeah. No, I'm not, uh, Yeah, but, I'm uh, no, I'm there with you. You know, if if that's the case, may, maybe you know, the Sox do some really good things this year. But again, it all hinges on health. Yeah. There's there's uh that's obviously a very large part of the equation is that the White Sox have to not have catastrophic injury after catastrophic injury uh, heading into this season. So let's hope that uh, Aloy can reel it in and uh, just go about his business and try not try and play hero ball and uh, stay in one piece. Well, and the car, the carbo loading. He's he was he was uh, he's adding some padding. Yeah, exactly. It's adding some uh, extra mass. Um, extra mass to uh, move objects out of his way as well, possibly. Well, maybe he figured it out finally that he, he just needs to stand in one spot in left field and let Lewis Robert play the entire outfield, and he can just go out and hit dingers all day long. Hey, you know, it, whatever works, man. If that's going to keep you off the uh, if that's going to keep you off the injury list and uh, keep us from having to see an outfield of Andrew Vaughn, Lewis Robert, and Gavin Sheets, I'm all for it, man. Uh, that seems like uh, one of the things in my nightmare. Actually, probably what my actual nightmare would be would be uh, Vaughn in left field, Angle right. in center field, oh, and then out. and then Sheets in right field. That that's like it, you know, like Larry played that that ball in Houston absolutely, uh, probably oh, almost as the worst that you could play. Uh, that uh, line drive, and uh, I still have more confidence in him being in right field than I do. Yes, Adolfo is in camp. Um, 
I have more confidence in Leary out there than I do either of those guys in the outfield, realistically. Although, I will say that Vaughn did make some plays, um, but I will also say that he made some uh, some easier plays look more difficult, and he just happened right. to pull them off, you know? Right. So that's just uh, my two cents on that whole thing. Uh, yes, so uh, like I said, Adolfo is in camp. Um the uh, other minor league guys uh, that are outfielders that are in camp are uh, Uelke and um, who's the other guy? Uh, I'm blanking. Um, Blake? Blake Ruth? No, I don't think so. Actually, no, he's not. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Actually, I don't know what happened with uh, with Blake Ruth. I think maybe this is his. Uh, He's in the same situation that Adolfo's in, I believe. Where if he doesn't make, uh, so I mean, maybe he is there. Hold on, I got the, I got, I have the, uh, I have the. Yeah, if he doesn't right make here. it, if he doesn't make a forty man, he's donezo. Well, I mean, he's uh, he's a free agent at that right. point. Uh, let me look here. All right, so outfielders. Uh, oh yeah, Rutherford is there. Uh, so uh, oh yeah, that's right. Luis Basabe. That was the other guy I was thinking about. Blast from the past there. And uh, also uh, Dwight yeah, he's Smith still Jr. In the organization. <laughs> uh, well, he's back actually. He's right, been uh, he's been around the world and he's back. Uh, he is now in uh, now uh, got a minor league uh, a minor league contract with the White Sox. So we have Adolfo Basabe Cespedes, uh, Rutherford, Dwight Smith Jr. are your uh, minor league guys that are here. So so, so take Cespedes and. Uh... Dwight Smith Jr. out of there and and throw it. I'll, I'll I'll raise you a uh uh oh lord now I'm gonna draw a blank on the name so I was just gonna say that this sounds like the 2016 you know White Sox outfielders in camp yeah um <laughs> yeah it's like Asabe uh, Adolfo and Rutherford yeah Rutherford. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, those guys have been in white Sox camp for like, I don't know, 17 years. It feels like it, doesn't it? it? Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, at least, you know, Rutherford came in a trade. I mean, Adolfo feels like he's been here for, you know, over a decade. Um, he has. Oh, I mean, close. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, um, I don't know. I'm waiting to see some more stuff out of uh, spring training, see what these guys are doing, seeing uh, some nice footage from these guys who are down in Arizona and uh, hope to uh, live vicariously through the lenses of their cameras so I can see some nice bullpen action and some nice batting practice stuff and see some more tanks. That would be nice. Yeah. Um, I did see a picture of Joe Kelly throwing today. I did not see him throwing, but I did see a picture of him throwing in a uniform. So uh, that's a thing in the positive, I suppose, is that he's not in uh, that bad a shape that he can't be out there throwing the baseball. So that's good. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing this stuff. I and mean, we've seen uh, Liam Hendricks out there uh, swearing at uh, West Cath. Um well, actually, not act, actually at West Cath, but, uh, you know, raging, uh, swearing fit after, uh, you know, throwing a high curveball. And yeah, he does um, not like to miss on his pitches. Not. Uh, 
it was made abundantly clear on that uh, little, I don't know, 15 or 18 second video that came out yeah. earlier this week. Yeah, apparently uh, Keuchel, he threw a couple of innings, uh, I think it was on, I mean, it was Sunday, and um, he gave up a, uh, a rocket double off of uh, the off of the center fielder's glove out in, uh, out in the outfield for a double, and gave up a couple of singles as well, and uh, didn't look uh, exactly fantastic, if you know what I'm saying, uh, but, you know, to be expected for the... Uh, the beginning of spring training, I suppose, but, uh, you know. Well, you know, they say the bats are always ahead, the uh, arms, in in camp. Well, yeah, but usually the pitchers are there for a couple of weeks beforehand, so it's usually not, not the, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Usually the, uh, the breaking balls don't uh, exactly break so hot in Arizona either, so that doesn't help things either. Um, just, let me, just let me have my 30 seconds of, you know, trying to find the bright spot. Hey, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Keuchel, um, I, I'm just saying, you know, that he was saying that this year he was going to uh, he was going to bounce back. And, um, you know, I know it's the first day of spring training. And I'm not trying to uh, crucify the guy or anything like that. But I mean, you know, I didn't see it, but uh, it pretty much sounds exactly like last year. You know, where he got some yeah, ground well, balls, but then there was also a couple of singles that got through, and then there was a rocket shot off the wall. You know, I mean, I it sounds exactly I remember Dallas Keuchel uh, admitting some faults last season and saying he was going to fix those things last season, too, and unfortunately, we uh, never saw any of that get fixed. That is entirely so. true. Um, yeah, so uh, over the next couple of days, we'll start seeing some more... Um, I'm hoping there's some more uh, footage from some of the uh, live BPs that are going on. Romy is in uh, in the major league camp. He is one of the infielders. Um, yeah, which, Josh Harrison's just hold. He's just keep seat warm. Placeholder. Um, yeah, I I'm five, kind five of five million dollars seat warmer. Exactly. Um, I find it kind of odd that uh, and. I haven't mentioned it yet, but uh, that Yulbert Sanchez is not at the Major League camp. I find that kind of strange. Yeah, uh, me too. Um, but Especially uh, after the year he had last year. Yeah, exactly my point. Uh, and for the fact that he was uh, pretty much tearing the cover off the ball at the Arizona Fall League for the limited amount of at-bats that he did get, he hit the ball really, really well. So I'm actually kind of surprised to not see him and Romy and uh you know like they're competing to at least be looked at for both of them to be looked at for the job I mean I you know I know that it's the uh the window of contention and that uh you're not trying to uh hinge stuff on prospects at this point but uh you know but uh one of my old faves that seems to have fallen off a year or two here but what about uh Lenin. Oh, Len Sosa. He's uh he's in minor league camp. Um I think if I, he should be in minor league camp. Um but here's the thing is that I don't have I haven't seen a roster of the minor league camp, but he's got to be there. Uh, uh, I would imagine. Yeah, I from from what I understand, uh I don't know if you remember last year he had that uh 
that pretty net. I think it, I think it was a neck sprain that happened in the last like week of the minor last two weeks of the minor league season last year. And uh, am I thinking of the right guy? I think I'm thinking of the right guy. Maybe I'm not thinking of the right guy. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. I'm thinking of somebody else um, who I'm blanking on at the moment. Um, now I'm gonna have to now I'm gonna have to look it up when I get off of here. But um, yeah, it's about that time uh, to wrap up yeah. for the evening. I would like to thank everybody for hopping into the chat and chatting up with us uh, and it, enjoying talking about actual baseball. I know that you guys yes. are enjoying seeing uh, your feeds on Twitter lining up with all sorts of nice video and pictures and uh, actual baseball talk and not talking about uh, percentages of revenue and uh, new TV deals <laughs> and streaming deals and all that stuff. Um, so I'd like to thank you for coming in and hanging out. And uh, we'll be here uh, same bet time, bet channel next week. Uh, this has been White Sox Daily Live. My yeah. name is Ian Eskridge, and uh, I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Danny Miller. Um, you can find us at uh, www.whitesoxdaily.com or whitesoxdaily.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Daily White Sox, and um, I think there'll be some uh, stuff creeping up here on the uh, on the site, getting uh, pushed out here relatively uh, soon because. Uh, Things are starting to happen again, so I think that that uh, fire will start burning again for uh, yep. not writing about uh, CBA agreements. After tomorrow, I will be laid up for at least the next week, go under tomorrow morning, so uh, I will probably try to pump at least one article out this week, You know, depending yeah. on if I can even sit at my computer. But yeah. uh, Good luck with, uh, with the uh, surgery tomorrow. Ooh, and, pray uh, for me. Yeah. <laughs> Let's uh, hope everything goes well and that uh, you you get back to your uh, sub five uh, forty times. You know that'd be nice to see sure. again. Sure, <laughs> sure. Not since you know I don't know my early twenties, but all right, cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think ever for me. So uh, I was never uh, the speedster. Um, but uh, yeah, good luck with all that, and I hope everything goes well. And um, Hopefully Thank you. everything's good for next week for you. And, um, yeah, I think we'll call it there for the week. And uh, thanks for coming in and hanging out, guys. This has been White Sox Daily Live. You, this will be available in podcast form. If you popped in late, uh, go ahead and uh, take a look on the uh, the old Spotify or uh, Apple Music podcast thing or any of your podcast uh, downloading uh, services that you use. And uh, thanks for a uh, good night. Appreciate it. Have a good night.